What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited to join me today because we have a very special guest. Today, we are joined with us at the podcast by Max Montejo. Max is the influential chief marketing officer at Net Next Net Media, a company at the cutting edge of data-driven marketing solutions. His visionary leadership extends to various brands, most notably The Hoth, a renowned search engine marketing firm that empowers businesses to amplify their online visibility. Guys, I'm so excited to pick his brain and to get him to share all the cool things that he's doing with you guys. So without further ado, let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Max, welcome to the show. It's so exciting to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me today. Happy to join the Business Choreography. And a uh, big thank you for having me here today and say hi to all the audience as well. Absolutely. Well, let's jump in. Everybody knows I love to talk about backstory and, and hear your journey and how you got to the point where you're doing what you're doing today, because I think that's important as entrepreneurs and business owners that we hear how other people are doing it. It helps us keep going because sometimes when you're in the trenches and you're doing it, it's 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 hard to keep moving forward anyway. So let's hear how you got started, how you ended up at this point and how you got to doing what you're doing. Well, that's a great question and a great way to kick it off. And I'm, I'm sure someone today listening on, listening to this podcast, they're going to find a way to reflect on this story. So I'm happy to share all the things I've been doing. And, and let's kick it off by saying that I was uh, born and raised in Colombia 40 years ago. And I've been pretty much quiet all over the world. Uh, I lived in the UK for two years. I went back to Colombia and then I, went, uh, I came here to the States uh, in 2012. So it's been almost 21, uh, 11 years here. And I've been always work, working in marketing. I started in this uh, industry in 2002 by creating content of uh, in a different websites back in South America, talking about soccer, sports, and just, it was the early, like the early stages of the dot-com bubble in South America. So I was part of that one. I started being also writing content, creating interviews, programming as well so that i pretty much i get all the basics from seo google analytics there then i switched to the marketing side and i and i work in different advertising agencies all around the, the americas uh, i pretty much led different relationships with clients uh, fortune 500 here in the states and also regional ones uh, in south america between central uh south america and a little bit of europe and a year and a half ago i joined next and media Nexon Media is the biggest uh, link building company in the world. We are the powerhouse of pretty much roughly 250,000 business success stories. I'm the CMO. We have eight different brands that combine link building, SEO, content, AI, and we have also marketplace. And we just put together this for small businesses, agencies, and of course, enterprise clients. So that's pretty much done my journey in a nutshell. 
And then I'm just helping grow this company as well. That's pretty much what defines me. I love it. I love it. So many different uh, avenues there that that uh, you took to get to this yeah. point. And one of the things that uh, is really fascinating is that you were you were dealing with a lot of the early day marketing strategies in the online space. I mean, you you mentioned the dot com bubble bursting, right? And being in that space before that happened, and and so much has changed since then. And so. I'd love to dig in for just a second, you know, having you having been around during that phase, marketing was, I, I mean, it was pretty different back then and compared to how it's, how it is now. Can you just talk a little bit about how it's changed and how things are different from back then? Yeah. And I think the most important part is I had to explain to clients why internet was a key part of their business. That's <laughs> how old I mean in this industry, pretty much like I was helping clients and brands where internet wait for like 1% of the marketing budget. Now we've seen clients giving 100% to the marketing budget. So <laughs> right. that's, and it's in just what, 12 years, 13 yeah. years almost. So, so I think that's been pretty much one of the most, the impact that I've seen the most. Uh, if we go back in time to those, uh, 2005 or 2008, it was hard to have meaningful conversations about data, about KPIs, about Google, not everyone was aware of it. Now it's completely different. And I think one of the things that haven't changed is curiosity. And we can see it from different angles, from a business perspective, from a, from a marketing perspective, from a personal perspective. And technology has evolved a lot. And thank, and thank God we've been able to create more things as we speak. And I think right, right now we have like different audiences that engage faster, easier with us. Right now in my team, I have centennials they are age 28, 23 years old. They didn't have to deal with a uh, modern internet connection. They didn't have to deal with anything like that. So it's, right. it's, I'm really surprised to see young generations coming here to keep growing their businesses. The mentality is even better. They have the tools already built in. So I think that's something that I'm really happy to see nowadays. But going back to 15 years ago, I think the biggest change or the biggest something we struggled the most was Clients and users and people didn't believe in the power of the internet. So we had to explain to them from scratch the different meanings. I remember in 2008 talking about SEO. They were like, I don't know, we don't understand anything about this. I remember talking about uh, social media. Like at some point, clients stopped building their websites. They just they thought with social media was going to be enough. And now in 2023 and 2024, social media is just one part of the whole marketing story. So it's been a big journey. And also, it, it also gives you the need of keep learning. If you don't continue learning in this industry, you're pretty much outdated. And yeah. I think that's, that's what I like about this industry too. It's so fast moving. And, yeah. and, and things have changed so much, even in the last year and a half with the implementation of AI and how fast AI is growing. It's changing so many things for so many people. I, I, I feel like there's a big shift in, um, in SEO and, and you deal a lot in that space, but I feel like there's a big shift in SEO that's started to happen already because of AI. Have you recognized that? Or do you see that at all with the SEO side of things? Yeah, I have like different points of view. Let me just give you 30 different variables. Uh, the first one, I was reading an article the other day, and if you think about the United States and pretty much the whole world, 
there's 90% of the population of this world, 95% of the population of this world, that they, they, don't, they don't know how to use AI or open AI. The fact that we are in a bubble where the internet business, the internet day-to-day, we are very familiar with AI. When you go out, out there to talk about with roofers, with HVAC companies, with the small businesses, they might not even know what it is. So right. I think there's still a great way to grow in the AI landscape. That's the first thing. Sure. The second part is I've seen different trends from clients. Uh, with the boom of ChatGPT, uh, I've seen clients saying, okay, we're going to go and create our content. Uh, they leave, but guess what? They come back two months later. The reason why is they think it was as easy as doing like this. And you know, you need to learn about probably engineer. You need to know about giving exactly the right commands to the to the to the AI chatbot, you need to have some people that are subject matter expertise in their topics. And sometimes even that you get it out there isn't the same and then you're lacking the human connection. Right. Uh, so that's the second part. And the third part is by 2024, we have forecasted that businesses are going to lose 20 to 30% of their traffic due to AI. The reason wow. why is you can go to <clears throat> Google or Gemini right now or OpenAI and then you're going to get the, pretty much the answer straight away from them. Now, the question is, how do you index your website there? How do you make sure you get picked by the bot once someone is asking you, asking them specific keywords? So I think the same structure is going to change. It's going to evolve. But right now, we need to look at different variables. So I think it's great that AI is here. It helps us be better, maybe getting an ability to produce things faster. But as Google said, the experience, the trustworthiness, uh, the <clears throat> expertise is very well needed when it, when it comes to SEO and, and when it comes to content. So I think right now we are just experiencing, testing, but so right. far we can say like things are going to go from one to another place. I think now just how we embrace the technology and how we take it for the best of our brands. Well, you're in this space a lot and, and really in the mix of testing it and trying it and and working on figuring out what's working and not with this new uh, with this new AI business. Yeah. I recently read an article that talked about the search engines starting to really understand and notice some of the key indicators of it content being written by AI or done by AI, and so instead of really trying to figure it out because I, as I understand it, AI has a hard time determining whether AI is AI, but what they can determine and what they're starting to determine is what actually makes things human. And so the article I read talked about utilizing human language instead of proper English. And noticing when you put things on your site that have all the ums and the ahs and the and the human language, not the proper language, and recognizing that as maybe more authentic communication, which kind of scares me a little because it might mean that we're headed towards l- less good grammar as we move forward. But yeah. are you noticing that? Is that a true thing? I mean, I, I don't believe everything I read, but I do. Yeah. I can see the validity that potentially, or at least the logic in the idea that search engines would maybe give more ranking to content that had human language in it. Yeah, well, before I I give you my point of view, let's start by addressing that we are in a content inflation era. 
So uh, let's go back in time. Five years ago, you could produce five articles. You can hire people to write the articles for you. You can have ghost writers as well. Your competitor might be writing 20 pieces of content. You can outpace them with 25. Right now, with the boom of AI, we've seen competitors doing 200 pieces of content every month. And right. then your competitor is going to do another 250. And then the other one's going to be doing 300. And then there are two key questions to ask there. Is everyone going to read that content? Second, is that content useful for Google? And I think that's where your question comes to, to my point of view. Google have said very clear, we don't care if the content is produced by AI or by a human, as long as it follows the Google EE algorithm. EE stands for expertise, experience, authoritiveness, and trustworthiness. So if the content follows these four uh, words, that means the content is going to be indexed by Google. So at the end of the day, what Google wants to make sure is like you can have the help of AI. But for example, when it's the review of a movie, or when you're reviewing a restaurant, or when you are reviewing an ex a travel, a trip that you just made to Mexico City, for example, they just want to make sure that you actually live the experience. And I think that's the key. And, and I always tell this to uh, my peers and to the different universities where I teach uh, around South America. We just need to keep a balance between technology and the human connection. We can't forget that we are human selling to humans. Right. At the end of the day, there's someone behind this computer or listening on this podcast is a human being. I'm, we're not talking for a robot. So I think we need to give everything easy to that user or to that uh, cluster or to that avatar. So it's not like Google doesn't like or dislike AI. I think it's just how we make sure we follow and we start compiling with the EE uh, way of working. The second part of that one is, what kind of content are you coming up to write? Are you just going after branded keywords or are you just going after long tail keywords? What's your user searching for? How do you want, connect, you want to connect with them? I think if you answer those questions, what's the amount of backlinks you need to produce from a quality perspective to make sure your business get, gets noticed? I think those questions go beyond the AI solution and I think as long as you have a clear understanding on what you want, technology is going to help you. But some users and some clients have seen them in thinking that the fact that the technology is there, the technology is going to solve their problems. Well, if you don't know which your problems are, you're going to make it happen. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I love that approach. Now, we, we've talked about SEO, and that's only one portion of marketing. There's a lot that I've noticed that even the biggest corporations are starting to recognize and incorporate and go back to sort of the roots of good marketing, which include direct marketing principles and direct marketing actions. What type mm -hmm. of, uh, what type of things are you seeing? I mean, obviously we're well past the the onset of funnels being a cool thing in the industry, but you know, I'm I'm starting to now see big corporations utilizing the principles of direct marketing and funnels within their industry now too, where you know, it, it took a while for them to get there. They they were stuck on old branding principles. Now it seems like everybody's doing that. Are you seeing that in the industry as a whole or or do you not see that as much? Yeah. Uh, yes. First of all, I've seen like uh, organic channels represent at least 50% of the traffic of a brand right now. If you are below 
I think you need to start worrying about this situation because nothing, not everything needs to be paid. Not everything needs to be organic or direct. You need to have a balance, as we said before. Uh, the second important thing I've seen is the funnelization of everything. Uh, now everyone's showing the funnel for everything. Five years ago, three years ago, it was an, a, a part of the innovation way of selling. Right now, everyone is following the funnel from upper, middle, lower funnel. But there's one thing that's going to make a big difference of your brand and your position, and it's the creativity. As long as you tell the right message to the right audience at the right time, you're going to be able to follow in that funnel with different points of view. And then the most important part now is personalization. And some users believe or some clients believe that personalization is saying, hey, Michael, thanks for coming to this email or something like that. That's not personalization. Personalization is the brands telling me more about my purchase dynamic, more about the products I should purchase based on my behavior. Uh, giving me a better birthday experience and end of year experience, understanding what's my purchase cycle. There's millions of data that that, that they are currently being analyzed, but no one is making an action of that piece of data. So I think that's that's something that I've started to see as well. But the most important thing that I've noticed in the last year across different companies is not only the the, the action on lean building, like brands are now allocating 30% to 40% to lean building actions. That's something that's pretty much new. We've seen lean building happening since 10, 12 years ago. But now since we have quality lean building, like the one we do at Nexted Media, we've seen brands allocating more budget towards that. And the second part is creating an omni-channel marketing action, integrating offline channels. So one of our clients, it's a retail brand that sells shoes online. The, my, my client, the, the, the CEO was telling me the other day, we need to have a, a store, a physical store in LA, for example. And I was like, that's weird. Like, pretty much you have a very successful business uh, online. And what do you need to create uh, or, or to open a physical location? He's like, because it, this is all about the experience I want to provide. I'm going to be selling everything online. I'm not going to have any warehouse in that store. I'm not going to have any, any of my brands or any of the shoes I sell. I just wanna create, I just wanna create that store to be the experience so users and customers can go there and fall in love with my brand ambassadors, with my influencers, with some uh, new collections I'm gonna drop in the next couple of weeks. So that's why I'm integrating this physical location into my omnichannel strategy. I've seen more small businesses thinking like that as well, understanding everything making sure they connect with the leads when they can't con collect them immediately. Not, not too long ago, and well, I, can, I can say two, three months ago, I've had clients saying, well, my leads are not effective. And the first question I'll ask them is, how long did it take you to contact the lead after you collected? Well, it's been two months. You can't expect things oh to gosh. happen like that. So I think <laughs> just more integrated approach, that's something that for sure it's happening today and it's going to be happening in the next six to 12 months with technology, of course, but at least with a, with an omnichannel strategy behind. This is so important. I mean, we believe, you know, obviously this is the business choreography podcast, and we believe that choreography creates experience from our day in dancing. When I was a professional ballroom dancer, it was about the experience. I could get up and dance anywhere I wanted. I could go out social dancing and people would be like, wow, that was amazing. That was really good. 
But if I had a routine, then it was even better. And if I had a costume, it was an even better experience. And if I had a show that went with it, it was an even better experience. And I feel like what you just described was like so awesome, right? I love that side of it because it is the experience. We're starting to figure out and businesses are starting to figure out that if you don't have an experience to go with what you're doing, then you're just a commodity. Exactly. And we, we can't afford to be a commodity. We have to have an experience that goes with what we're doing. Yeah, I'm talking about dancing as a Colombian person. <laughs> This is the first question I get asked by different people. You know how to dance? And <laughs> sometimes my dancing skills are not as, as good as the marketing skills. But there's <laughs> one thing in the middle, which is the passion I have. So I think I try to make it even. <laughs> I love that. Well, that being said, I think that's a perfect segue to talk about data and KPIs because, you know, you started off and, and when you started telling us your journey, you know, you were talking a lot about that. And, and along the way, you've alluded to it number of times. And I think that it's interesting in talking to a lot of business owners, it's amazing to me how they don't know their KPIs and they don't have data that they're operating off of. So let's break it down a little bit more simply because I think sadly, and, and don't worry, all of you guys listening, if you don't know what KPIs are and the data that you should be following, we're going to talk about it right now, what they are, because I don't want you to feel bad. Like I know a lot of you business owners out there are just doing the best you can do and you're just getting by making it work. And now we're introducing this idea. So if you haven't heard of KPIs and you haven't heard of the data that you should be following, that's what we're going to talk about here. And, and that's what I'd like you to kind of dig into, Max, is what are some of the most important uh, KPIs and data sets that, that business owners can start to look at, especially if they haven't heard of those concepts and ideas before. Yeah. And I, I think that's still this new year, um, major topic to discuss and to talk about KPIs is something like everyone thinks they can do it, but sometimes they don't even follow on what they need to measure. Right. Let me start by addressing something. I love the digital industry my heart, like with all my heart, but there's one, one thing that we need to all be aware of. There are millions of millions of KPIs in different tools that can get you easily lost. So <laughs> I've seen different professionals like sinking in the way of the KPI world and doing like analysis paralysis, which is pretty much um, measuring tons of numbers without any action behind. So right. what I always tell everyone, in my team, in, when I, in the classes, uh, in the industry, like we need to have like five to seven KPIs that we can memorize. The reason why it's very simple. Remember when back in the days when we were when we were young, and we didn't have cell phones and we only have a fixed line, we could memorize pretty much four to five to six, ten different phone numbers with six, seven digits. Would you could memorize a thirteen-digit uh, number? It was hard for you to do it. So we keep that way of thinking, it's just five to seven, that's it, that's all you need. Uh, if you need 23 KPIs to measure the success, success of your marketing strategy, I think you're in a, in, a, in a top spot. But now it depends on your business objectives. Those KPIs from the digital landscape, from your omnichannel strategy, they need to connect to your business. If they don't connect to your business, you're just wasting your time. So the first KPI is okay, What's the return of investment of the action you're doing from a marketing standpoint to your business? And then in the middle, we can get more into the weeds. 
but at least you need to understand what are the things that are causing triggers in terms of going to your website and what's happening as soon as they land and how you convert them. The second one that I always pay attention to from a performance standpoint is the conversion rate. And, and I've here, here, and in this case, I've had different conversations with multiple professionals. So for example, those who are in the who works with the government in terms of like town halls or like uh, different, uh, like, I don't know, like maybe a cabinet chief of staff or something like that, they might not be tracking anything about sales or they might not be, not be tracking everything about performance. But their performance is, for example, to keep the community informed. So that could be your conversion rate. And then you can express that conversion rate through different KPIs. But as long as you have this performance mindset, depending on your industry, you're going to have the best KPI. So you could track purchases, leads, time spent on site, depending on your business. If, you, if your business is just to inform people about some activities that you're doing in a specific city, just think about how you measure the success of the audience by you, the quality of your website. If your business, if you're selling e-commerce uh, uh, products, well, you have conversion rate, average ticket value, and that's it. If you are collecting leads because you're at a university, well, you need, you need to have your conversion rate from a visit to a lead, and then the average enrollment rate after you talk to those leads and you turn them into students. So it's as easy as understanding what's your business and what's the KPI of your business. And I think in the, once you start working like this, you're gonna have multiple KPIs to start fine tuning your strategy. Now, when it comes to, to SEO, that's pretty much a big area of, of, of interest for us, I always tell my clients, first one is don't ever, it's great to measure SEO through the different visits you get through uh, branded keywords. Branded keywords means when the user is using the brand uh, on Google. They can use the name of the brand and they just go to your website. But also the big opportunity there is to conquer the different long tail keywords. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm, a, I'm selling shoes and I can appear with my e-commerce e store name, maxgomez.com, I will be the number one in Google. But the challenge for me is just to appear when a user is searching for best shoes when it comes to running, best uh, sneakers uh, in 2023, uh, best Air Jordan releases, something like that, because that's pretty much how the user searches. If you appear there, you're gonna capture the intent in the right moment. So perhaps it might not deliver a conversion, but you're gonna be in the top of mind of the audience. You're gonna, the, the user is gonna go to your website and then you're gonna be able to provide an amazing, amazing experience. So it depends on your business. But sometimes you can see things from one angle, from the branded angle on SEO, and then you're missing the blue ocean, which is every single search out there. So just to summarize my, my answer, it just depends on your business. But as long as you know what that's the most important objective, beyond making money, I think that's something you can figure out easily with uh, digital marketing as well. I love it. Max, we could probably jam on this for hours and, and, uh, and really just have a good time, uh, but, Let's give the audience, uh, you know, let's tell them how they can uh, find you uh, and follow what you're doing and, and the stuff that's going on in your world. Let's tell them what you're up to so that they can connect if they want to. Yeah, thank you, Michael. First of all, you can visit Next Media website, nextnetmedia.com. 
you can see more about what we do as a company there, and you can engage with all the executive team in the, in the website. And when it comes to me, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's my favorite social media platform. I try to share my points of view, articles, interviews there. It's linkedin.com slash IN slash Max Gomez Montejo. Gomez is with a Z as in zebra all together. And then you find me like that. Or you can right. search my name on Google and it will appear, of course, all my different <laughs> uh, channels. Good. I would hope so. <laughs> all right. Well, that's awesome. Max, before I let you go, uh, can you leave us with some words of wisdom that, that we should keep top of mind as we move forward? Well, uh, I think the most important thing is just to make sure your curiosity stills on the highest every day. If you don't feel that curiosity and that passion for your business or for what you do in the day, day to day, I think you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Uh, that's like a fire that we have here that just tells us to do more and better things. So I think that's the most important advice to all of, our, of the listeners out there. I love it. Thank you so much. Max, it's Thanks, been a pleasure having you. And guys, as usual, don't stop choreographing your business. All parts, all parts of it, your marketing, your SEO, your data, your analytics, everything we talked about today, that's all got to get choreographed into your business. Make sure you're putting some focus on it. And uh, don't forget to reach out to Max and, and follow some of the stuff he's up to that he can help you with. So until next time, guys. Keep choreographing your business. We'll see you on the next episode of the Business Choreography Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.